Hello and welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast, where we are looking to equip you to take your next step with Jesus this week. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I'm excited about the conclusion of our series, For Better or For Worse. And today, Pastor Dave is interviewing a couple named Dan and Elaine Miller about um, all sorts of things regarding marriage. Elaine had written a book um, regarding marriage, and we're excited as Pastor Dave just unpacks the end of this series about uh, marriage and about how important it truly is. And so we believe that this will be a great help to you. Hey, if you go to our website, beartownroad.org, you'll be able to find all sorts of information, not only about the church, but about what is happening as we move through this spring and into the summer season, which it's amazing that this summer is so close upon us. So hey, without further ado, let's jump into this message as Pastor Dave interviews Dan and Elaine Miller titled, We All Married Idiots. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. You really are our superheroes. So thank you for all that you do for us. We are so blessed. We're finishing off the series today, this marriage series for better or for worse. And we are so blessed to have Dan and Elaine Miller with us today. 51 years of marriage. Amazing. And they're going to talk a little bit about marriage. But first, Elaine, give us a little bit of a little story about what happened to you because you have leukemia. And so you virtually have no immune system. So throughout COVID, you pretty much had to stay away from people. You ended up getting COVID. You were in the hospital. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yes, well, as the doctors said to me, (laughs) we've had you dead twice, and yet here you are. So (laughs) here I am. I want to thank all of you for your prayers for me during that time. It was so special, and thank you. It was a tremendous time, actually, because I never felt closer to Jesus. He was so present. Even in the worst of times, I felt peace and I felt joy. In fact, I was so excited because I thought, wow, I'm going to die today. I'm going to get to go to heaven. I'm going to finally see Jesus. And I I was just thrilled with joy. And then you prayed me home. So (laughs) I'm so thankful for that. And as I laid in the hospital, I said to God, why am I here? And he said, you're here to glorify me. And I thought, okay, so I'm tethered to an oxygen tube attached to the wall. And I said, and how do I glorify God that way? And he said, look into their eyes. And I looked into all the healthcare workers' eyes. I just thank you, anyone in that field. Because I saw fear, I saw sadness, I saw pain, and oh my, weariness. (laughs) And so I determined that everyone who walked into my room, I would tell them about Jesus and ask them if I can pray with them. And I prayed with every person who walked in for three weeks. And not one person said, no, you can't pray with me. And I love how God gave me uh, a verse from Exodus 9. It's when Moses was going through the plagues. And God said to Moses, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed on the earth. And that gave me a ministry in the hospital to proclaim his power, that his name would be praised over all the earth. And I just thank God for that time. Well, she was, while she was excited about being in the hospital, I was uh, terror-stricken <laughs> because I really didn't think 
or I thought that very likely she might not be coming home. And while we have both have assurance of our faith and assurance of heaven, I wasn't ready to say goodbye yet, and there was no opportunity to visit in the hospital. So I was at home trying to pray her home also. <laughs> and after three weeks there, she did come home, uh, dragging her oxygen tank behind her. Great big thing, blue, we gave it the name Flo. And <laughs> I actually found out that that oxygen tank sitting beside the bed making its noises all night long makes a very great white noise for sleeping too. <laughs> so uh, our prayer were answered, Elaine came home, she gradually regained her strength and is doing so much better as you can see. She still has lung issues, but uh, I'm just so thankful to the Lord. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I, I know that many of you in this congregation have prayed the same thing for loved ones, prayed that they would come home, prayed for your husband or for your wife or for your father or your brother or mm -hmm. some other loved one, and the prayer, your prayers were not answered in that way. Our hearts go out to you, and we have prayed for you often, and you continue to be on our minds and hearts. You know, when, when death stared us in the face, it made us realize one day one of us won't be here. And so we wanted to treasure every moment we had. And I just want to tell you all, don't wait. Treasure every moment you have together. This man <clears throat> washed my feet for two years. I'm so thankful for him. He was truly a servant to me. Yeah, because for two years <clears throat> you were together really didn't go out. It was just the two of you. I know some married couples are like two years with just my spouse behind closed doors, but it was, it, it was a blessing. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. That's great. All right. So we're here to talk about marriage. You wrote a book years ago called Ooh. We All Married Idiots. Yes, I did. And uh, I'm offended by that. <laughs> so explain to me the, the title of your book. Well, many years ago, Dan and I were having an argument, and I thought to myself, I must have been an idiot to marry this idiot. <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, that makes me an idiot too. <laughs> and later I learned that idiot actually comes from the Greek meaning common man. We are all common man and common women. There is only one who is not common, and that is Jesus Christ. And our spouses are not perfect. They will never be, be Jesus. So yes, Dave, you are an idiot. And because you... <laughs> and I'm an it's idiot too. I know. They, <laughs> they agree. Uh, <laughs> settle down now. Settle down. <laughs> He'll never have me back. <laughs> oh. So Where, were <laughs> Where were we? Where were we? The three things. So yeah, yeah. So the three thi <laughs> your, your your book subtitled Three Things You Will Never Change About Your Marriage and Ten Things You Can Change. So let's talk about those three things that you can change in your marriage. Okay, the first thing you can change are the you cannot change are the idiosyncrasies. When I was in high school, my boyfriend broke up with me, and he said, "I just can't stand your idiosyncrasies," and I thought. What does that mean? I was 16 years old. I'd never heard that word. So I went in, looked in the dictionary, and idiosyncrasies means peculiar habits. Well, who doesn't have peculiar habits? If you think you don't have idiosyncrasies, ask the person next to you. They'd be happy to tell you what they are. <laughs> My husband has an idiosyncrasy. He taps. He taps. 
the chair when he sits, he taps my, my shoulders when he has his arms around me, he taps the steering wheel when he drives, he taps the pulpit when he preaches, and there have been times I have thought, would you please stop tapping? I'm about to bed. Oh, no. <laughs> he wants to tell you that once I was asleep and I felt something tapping on the um, headboard and I jumped up screaming thinking there's a mouse in the house <laughs> and I looked and he actually was tapping in his sleep the headboard so it's gone to a whole new level anyway <laughs> but when he was in the emergency room and I didn't know if he would be alive the next morning I held his still hands and I cried out to God please keep his fingers tapping isn't it amazing the things that irritate us are the things we'll miss the most <laughs> so the first thing you're not going to change about your spouse are the, your spouse's idiosyncrasies the second thing is the sin you all married sinners why would you do that well there was no one else to marry <laughs> because the bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god now idiosyncrasies is different than a sin an idiosyncrasy is is an annoying habit but sin hurts and because of the sin in each one of us there will be times we hurt each other and the third thing will never change are the differences he's a man i'm a woman he thinks like a man i think like a woman he thinks the whole table needs salted he he salts like a man, I salt like a woman. <laughs> and on top of that, we each grew up in different homes. His parents had one way of doing something, I had another way. He roots for the Giants, I root for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there are differences in our lives that we bring into our marriage and try to get along. So the three things are the idiosyncrasies, the sin, and our differences. I'll just say to that that uh, I will say guilty as charged to being an idiot. <laughs> I was born an idiot, but I've been trained to be for my idiosyncrasy. I was a trumpet player and still am in some degree, and so I'm constantly tapping my fingers because that's <laughs> what trumpet players do. I have an excuse, and I'm a sinner by birth also, but I'm also a sinner saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for me. Amen. Amen. I love this quote, Elaine, from the book. If your spouse wants to do something one way and you want to do it the other, the winner is the one who concedes and lets their beloved have their way. It's the submission competition, right? Hebrews yes. 12, 14 says, make every effort to live at peace. Yes. We argue about the silliest stuff, don't we? Make every effort to live at peace. We want peaceful homes. Uh, I love the, ver the verse James 3, 2. We all make a lot of mistakes. Who makes mistakes? We all do. How many? A lot. We all make a lot of mistakes. So you're going to make mistakes. Your spouse is going to make mistakes. And so you might as well just get over it and loosen up and start enjoy enjoying life. We had an argument on the fastest way to the throughway from our house. He wanted to go the long way, and I wanted to go the short, short way. <laughs> he let, well, go ahead. It was a 30-minute 30 30 minute trip to the throughway. <laughs> but anyway, that, that aside, 
every three times a week at eight o'clock in the morning, Elaine and I get up and we turn on the turn on our computer and we do a fitness class aimed at people our age or in our age group called GeroFit. They even give us shirts that said GeroFit on it just to remind us of our our old age. <laughs> we enjoy that at 8 o'clock in the morning. We do that so that we'll retain and keep whatever flexibility we may still have in our bodies, which isn't that much anymore. But it reminds me of the fact that we need to keep stay flexible in our marriages. And we've worked through a lifetime of marriage in, in being flexible. Uh, we've tried to avoid becoming stuck in, in, in our rigid opinions. She has her opinions, I have mine. We've tried not to have unrealistic expectations of each other and of our marriage, and just to, to stay flexible in that way, to realize that uh, sometimes our way is right and sometimes the, the way of the other is, is the right way. But I've tried not to become bullheaded, even to the extent that I'm willing to say, okay, your way to the through way. I'm just <laughs> gonna let it go. You say that's the shortest way, that's the shortest way. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have, t- as part of being flexible, we've tried to play a lot together, laugh a lot together, forgive a lot, forgive often, and to listen well to each other and what they're saying. One of the greatest needs in marriage is careful listening and attentive listening. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to do all of that so that our children could see it so that they get a picture, a right picture of what marriage should be like in terms of the interaction between a husband and a wife. There's a, there's a verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself. Nowhere in the Bible, I've read it several times, the whole Bible, nowhere does it say, examine your spouse. Hmm. It says, examine yourself. I love what David said in Psalm 139 at the end. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. So instead of always pointing our fingers at our spouse, well, you're doing this wrong and you made a mistake, and live at peace and realize you, you do it wrong. You make mistakes. And you have to just accept those things. Life is not going to be perfect in a marriage. Mm. Talk a little bit about, because at the beginning of your marriage, it was mm. rough. You had his bags packed a yes. few times. Yes. Tell that story. Okay, I packed his bags three times. The first year we were married. <laughs> Poor guy. <clears throat> he didn't do anything wrong. I'm the idiot here. So he... <laughs> he I was a super idiot in those days. You I'm, know what? We were both immature. Well, true. And I, and I really think when you're first married, you are immature. And too many marriages give up too soon and don't continue to grow together and learn from each other. So don't be packing your bags right away and think this is it because you know what? He's an idiot. So, you know, I don't want to be married to an idiot. And you married someone else, yet they're an idiot too. So <laughs> anyway, so he, was, he asked if he could get a bath before he left. Now, he was a student, we had no money, and we got this tiny little apartment, and I loved it because it had this clawfoot bathtub that was about that big. (laughs) I wasn't thinking that he is a big guy. There was no shower. There was no shower. So he said, can I get a bath first? So he got into the bathtub. Now, he couldn't fit in that bathtub, but it helped that there was a window at the end. 
so he'd open the window and stick his feet out the bathtub. <laughs> so I walked into the bathroom to, to pack his things, and there he was with his feet out the bathroom, bathtub window. And he looked at me. We both had tears in our eyes. And he said, I am committed to you for a lifetime. And that hit me. I needed to be committed to him for a lifetime. I thank God that he sat tight with me when I was ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I never packed his bags again. And we struggled through the next 10 years. We were committed to each other. And we had good days and we had bad days. And then in our 10th year, things were really rough. It was mostly my fault. I mean, nothing, no big sin. It's just that things, you know how it is, just that every day can be rough. And I said, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And I was ready just to, I don't know what I was ready to do, but I knew I couldn't do this. And I went to my kitchen window and I cried out to God and I said, Jesus, I am so sorry for my sin. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. And I give my life to you. Do with me whatever you please. Well, he pleased to do a lot. <laughs> because he took all that angst and misery out of my heart and anger. And he filled me with Jesus. And he filled me with a love for this man that's been stayed for the next 41 years. And I am so thankful that we stayed and we worked it out. That's good. Yeah. You have a chapter entitled Hold On, and you write, if you find that only 20% of your spouse's personality appeals to you, hold on to that 20%. Mm -hmm. As you do, you may be surprised that the lesser percentage starts increasing. So don't get out of the marriage. Hold on to the part, even yes. if it's 20%. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I've been to a lot of uh, weddings, and I've never heard this vow. I promise to hold on to everything you do that annoys me and reminds you of it for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's not what we do. If you only like 20% of your spouse, hold on to that 20% and encourage them in that 20%. And you will see the percentage get higher as you build up their self-esteem and as you start, instead of thinking all the negative things, the 80% you don't like, you'll remember the 20% that you do. I have a little bit different take on that chapter, hold on, and I was remembering back to our wedding vows <clears throat> when I, we stood there in front of the pastor and we were repeating after him and I said, I, Dan, take you, Elaine, to be my wedded wife. And um, I'll just stop there for a second. Our grandson, Connor, just uh, completed a training program in welding last year and is now a full-time welder, certified welder. And I was looking at that word wedding and welding. There's only one letter different in those two, two words. And just as the word wedded has to do with joining together, the word welded has to do with a permanent joining together of, of two people. And so I would do it now, and I'd say, I, Dan, take you, Elaine, to be my welded wife. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, marriage is permanent. That's God's plan for us. That's what is, thankfully has happened in our marriage. And then the rest of the vows, you know, 
51 years ago, those, we were sincere in making those vows to one another. I take you to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, to have, honor, and cherish until death us do part. Those vows were important to us, but over 50 years of marriage, they have become essential. I can't tell you the number of times that we've looked back on our marriage and fallen back on, on those vows. In the times of challenge, the times of change, and we've had a lot of change in our marriage. We've had 14 different addresses in places <laughs> we've lived, and some of you have had more, but it just there's so much that happens over the time of a lifetime that those vows become so much more essential in our lives and so much more pertinent to the way we live. We remember the hard times. We remember the sickness. We remember the health. We remember the times of financial stress. So hang on to those vows. Go back to them over and over again in your mind and in your marriage and hold on to what you committed to each other there on the day of your wedding. So the two flesh become one. How can man make undone what God has made one? You call it welded together. It's good. I like that. So speaking of welded together, let's, let's talk about sex because you can't have a marriage series without sex. Um, speak to the couple who's struggling with this. This, is, this has been a difficulty in their marriage. Encourage, encourage the couple. Okay. I have a, well, a CD on my table called In the Beginning, God Created Sex. So if you want to hear a whole hour talk on that, it's there. <laughs> it's a CD. It's, yeah. What is, what is a CD? Well, you put it on a record player. Record. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it has so a you, hole in the middle, and you stick it on the, you know. Yeah. Excellent. I think you need one of those. <laughs> so you have a CD about marital intimacy. I do. I do. I do. Because in the beginning, God did create sex. Hollywood did not create sex. God created sex, and too many of us look at Hollywood and trying to figure out how this all works. And Hollywood is just filling us with bad images. You had said, ah, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> anyway, I was, as I looked at that, I realized that in the Bible, when God uses the word sex, he's always talking about sex that is sinful sex. When he talks about the marital intimacy between a husband and wife, he uses the word know or became one flesh. And I thought about that. A Christian couple with... It is so much better than what Hollywood portrays. It is sacred. Just clarification, when he talks about marital sex, he's not using the word N-O, he's using K-N-O-W. K-N-O. K-N-O, right? to, <laughs> to know someone. I thought about the word know. So as a, as a married couple, you're to know each other, which means give full attention. Spend time together. Don't be in a hurry. When you want to know somebody, you spend time together. You're not in a hurry to leave them, and you should take that into your marriage bed. And also, don't take anything else in your marriage bed. <clears throat> don't take your to-do list. Don't take your problems you're having at work. Give your full attention to your spouse. I think my best advice I can give is that God created sex. Well, God created marital intimacy. 
Hollywood did not. God created each one of you, and God created your spouse. So the most important thing you can do is to pray. Ask God to help you in, in your relationship. Help, ask him ex in detail how you can resolve this. And the next thing I want to say is Jim Elliott, who was a missionary who was martyred. He's Elizabeth Elliott's brother had a great quote in his journal, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. So when you're having a relationship with your spouse, be all there and live it to the hilt. <laughs> That's good. You have a chapter called Make Nice, mm. talking about kindness. It is so simple and yet so profound, so important to just be nice to each other. Amen. Kindness, life is hard, we lose our, our patience, et cetera. Talk about just the importance of being. I don't important. think there's any other application of Galatians 5, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, than mm. in marriage. We apply it to our Christian life as a whole, but in marriage, it's so essential that we make nice, that those Fruit, that fruit of the Holy Spirit, especially love and patience, kindness you already mentioned, gentleness, goodness, and how about self-control? Every one of these applies so directly and so specifically to marriage if we will take the time and be alert enough to recognize that that's the case and that we can exercise those traits in our marriage again by the presence of God in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. That's where the fruit comes from, but I jumped in. Go ahead. No, that's good. That's good. I, uh, my husband wakes up every morning with one thought. I wonder how I can make life better for Elaine today. How wonderful if each of us would wake up every morning and say, I wonder what I can do to make life better for my spouse today. Every word we say every action we take serves or suffocates our marriage and every nasty word every mean thing drives a spike into your marriage coffin pastor dave when you were preaching on humility last year the key phrase that stuck with a lot of us and probably all of us from that series was humility is not is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. Again, what a great application in marriage. Mm -hmm. When I think of what Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, when he says, everyone should look not only to their own interests, but also to the interest of others. That's not a specific passage on marriage, but again, so applicable to marriage. Each one of us should look to the interest of each other, of the other, not only to our own. And when we do that, when we do that, that's when we will make nice mm -hmm. in, our, in our marriages. Mm -hmm. You yeah. talk about just cheering each other on. You have a whole chapter about just positive words of encouragement, right? Because life's discouraging. There's a lot of, a lot of things mm -hmm. that bring us down. Um, but I love that chapter about just the importance of lifting each other up with our mm -hmm. words as mm -hmm. much as we can. Elaine came to me when we were early into our 50s. And out of the blue, she said to me, I'm going to write a book. I said, and it's a book to, for moms. And that was her first book. Now, by now, she's written four. 
And I could have said to her, why do you want to write a book? There's a lot of work in writing a book. It's awfully hard to get a book published. After you get it published, it's awfully hard to get the book marketed. Who's going to buy it? Why would you want to do that? I could have said that to her. But I was thinking about the words from, of Paul from Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It would have been unwholesome for me to say to her, Elaine, forget that. That's not a good idea. We've got other things to do. There's more, you've got more important things to do as a wife and as a mother. Instead, I said, go for it. That sounds great to me. If that's the way God is leading you, go ahead and write that book, Splashes of Serenity for Drained Moms. And she did. And that was... 20 years and four books ago, and now God's given her a speaking ministry that's taken her all around the country. And it's been my opportunity to, to cheer her on and all of that. And also, not in the last eight years, been my, my job to carry her books. So, <laughs> so that, that, that whole cheering on thing is such an important aspect. Those two things working together, make nice and cheer on. Mm -hmm. Speaking encouraging words to one another. In other words, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful, only what is helpful for building the other up. Amen. That's good. Amen. You talk about the importance of doing stuff together, finding things that you can do, hobbies as a couple, and you have a great story about golf. Can yes, yes. He was, on my 50th birthday, he was so excited. Well, you see what I got you for your birthday. Oh, you're going to be so excited. I still say it was Mother's Day, but she says birthday. Okay. Well, he bought me a lawnmower Make on nice. Mother's Day. <laughs> but I, I was so happy because I do love to It was a good it. lawnmower. <laughs> he said, oh, I'm so excited. What's your Where do you see it? Where do you see it? And I'm thinking, oh, wow, what could this be? Diamonds, you know, a cruise? <laughs> it's my 50th birthday. I mean, it should be something. Anyway, he brings in this big thing. It was golf clubs. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I had no desire to become a golfer, uh, but he bought me golf clubs, so we started golfing, and I'll tell you, it's one of my favorite things. I love, now it's like, can we go golfing today? Can we go golfing today? <laughs> so if your husband does something sort of you question, just go with it. Go with it. <laughs> All the golfers in the room love yeah, you. Yeah, right I know, now. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, can you take a minute and just encourage the moms? We've got mothers mm -hmm. here, grandmothers, uh, maybe those who serve as spiritual moms and mentors. Today's Mother's Day. Give them a word. Yeah, you know, I just thought I've, you need to realize all these children, they also have idiosyncrasies and sin, and each one is different. I remember Danny Miller. <laughs> he was the terror of the Sunday school class. Sunday school teachers actually resigned when Danny Miller was going to be promoted to their class. <laughs> anyway, but there was one teacher, and she said, she watched him. Watch your children. Find out what they're good at. And she watched him, and she said, Wow, he's got an amazing memory. And she challenged him to memorize scripture every week. And he'd come in all proud. He had memorized the scripture. That teacher changed his life. And it was amazing. <laughs> the night before he was ordained, she actually called and she said, is Danny Miller really getting ordained? <laughs> Oh, so the, what a difference, mothers and teachers and 
nurses all of you make in the lives of children. That's huge. I uh, have a little bit to add to that. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> all the years our children were growing up, I was pretty much out of the house most of the day doing what fathers usually do. Elaine was home with the children, which we're thankful for. But over these years now, since the kids have been grown, oftentimes she will say something to me in, in the course of a day, of some memory of our kids and something that happened in their lives back when they were growing up. And I would look at her like, what are you talking about? I don't have any recollection of that at all. I don't remember that at all. She has so many more memories of what it was to be a, a parent to our children, to be a mother. And I was just thinking about that the importance, mothers, that you are in the lives of your children. Mm-hmm. Fathers, too, don't get me wrong, but this is Mother's Day. Mothers, there's no one more important in the life of your child than you other than God. Mm-hmm. But just be encouraged by that today. Be cheered on by that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are essential to the lives of your kids. Amen. Amen. Super grateful you guys are going to be leading a growth group. So if you have not signed up for a growth group, they're going to be leading a marriage class. It starts this Thursday at 6 o'clock. If you just go to baritownroad.org slash growth groups, you can join their group. We delayed it a little bit because I wanted people to hear you, to get inspired. Uh, Look, if your marriage is struggling right now, there is no more important human relationship than with your spouse. Even if you just need a tune-up, it'd be great for you to join this class. It's only five or six weeks long. Again, it starts this Thursday, 6 o'clock. Sign up online, and uh, and that will be great. Super grateful for you being willing to share your wisdom Mm -hmm. uh, in that class. Also, wanted you to know that they have a book table, so if you go out into the open space on your way out to the right, She's selling all kinds of books. Buy her books. Um, support her. She'll be out there if you want to come say hi to her as well. And uh, all of our moms on your way out, spiritual mothers, etc. we'd love to give you a peaches and cream gift card just to say happy Mom's Day because it is so hard and complicated being a mom in today's culture. We love you. We're grateful for you. So we just want to give you this gift. Uh, next week, we're starting a brand new series. It's called How Do You Know? Dot, dot, dot. We're going to talk about some controversial issues. Next week, we're going to deal with how do you know the Gospels are reliable? So if you know somebody who's not part of a local church, invite them next week as we begin that brand new series. So thank you guys. Super grateful for your your life and the way that you inspire all of us. Let's just give them a round of applause just to say thank you for being awesome. Thank you. Thank you for you. (laughs) Dan, would you close us in prayer? Sure. How we thank you and praise you today, our Heavenly Father, for your goodness to us in so many ways. Of course, the most important goodness being that you sent your Son to be the sacrifice to make the payment for our sins. And through that, we can be your children forever and ever. On this Mother's Day, we celebrate mothers. We thank you that you gave us mothers. We thank you, God, that you are there to minister to mothers and through mothers into lives of their children and we pray that today they will sense a special blessing a word of encouragement from you heavenly father a pat on the back for the job that they do uh, this essential work in the lives of their kids we thank you for the marriages that are here today father and those that may yet be we pray heavenly father that each marriage will be established on the rock of jesus christ and that when the storms of life come storms like covid They will find that their house stands firm because it is built on the rock. 
The psalmist said, unless the builder, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So my prayer is that each house in this church will be built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Encourage every husband, encourage every wife in their marriage relationship and help them to cheer one another on and to encourage one another and to make nice and to hold on to those wedding vows and to hold on to each other. And Lord, to just look to you to help with all of it because you are there to help them through your word and by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this lovely day you've given to us outside as we go into the rest of the day to enjoy this beautiful day. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for each one who is here today. Bless them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there you have it. And I hope that this message and all of the messages from the series, For Better or For Worse, have been helpful to you as you look ahead to your relationships, as you're in a relationship now, or maybe you're even in a marriage now in which you've been equipped to live more like Christ every day and be Christ in a better way to your spouse. So until we're together again, I simply want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you.